Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Sunday Night Breakdown. We made it to season two, Dave. Not quite sure how, but we we have. Kind of season one and a kind of a half, isn't it? Was <laughs> yeah. yeah. We make it to December, maybe we'll see. So Daniel Outledge and Dave Forrester here to break down all of the action on opening weekend in the British Basketball League. And there was a, a lot of action to be had, all obviously in the cup. The interesting thing about this cup structure is we've seen it in the past where teams use it almost as preseason. But this year of all years, where there's been so many issues with visas and all of that sort of thing, it seems like everybody is having to do that because players are either coming in late or they're not here. So even the teams like Leicester and Newcastle that you expect to have big pre-seasons and be ready to hit the ground running, they've struggled with the visa issues in the same way everybody else has. Yeah, it's different with, I mean, visa, COVID, travel, everything. It's not just a question, certainly I know from Newcastle's perspective, it's not just a question of getting players, a question of getting teams to play against. Mm. You know, you know, in the past, you might have flown a team over from Ireland or, or, you know, or whatever. And that's been very, very difficult. So you, you have a disjointed beginning of the year, basically. And it's always the same. You know, the teams that in May are far better than the teams in September. Yeah. Because they're new teams and new groups. People have been out, haven't played for a significant period of time. So that the immediate comparison as to what you have now, as opposed to what you had back in May, the better teams, will always be a, ne- a negative one. Mm. Um, I think it just takes time to, for players to gel. You've got a lot of players as well now, particularly Americans who didn't play last year. Yeah. So you know, you, you and then you're talking about people who you know athletes who probably haven't played a game in 18 months or more, um, and, and that's a, a big thing. So what they really need before they're judged is a preseason, and that's exactly what they don't have. Yeah. Um, so let's a, let's get straight into the judging them. Let's massively yeah, overreact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're all crap. <laughs> <laughs> let's start out on Friday night. First game on my slate here is Sheffield Sharks 64, Cheshire Phoenix 71. The, the thing that caught my eye at the beginning was um, Cook and Tuck uh, both yeah. starting for the Sharks. Now, Atiba did that a few times uh, at the end of last season, but for the two years that they've been on the same squad, 70 percent of the time they don't start together. It's usually one or the other. No, he's got yeah, he's got four. He's got four guys this year. He's got Cook, Tuck, Nichols, and Del Pesh. And Nichols is clearly now a, a four man. He's not playing him at the three at all. Um, so he's got those four guys, and he's trying to find com- combinations. And I think it took probably Del Pesh about fifteen minutes to assert himself as a starter. Because um, he uh, was, you know, particularly effective when he was in the game, and um, in the second half, in fact, Cook and Tuck hardly played. So, yeah, it's in, it was an interesting one bringing both those guys back because neither of them you would you wouldn't describe either of them as being um, having standout seasons last year. They're effective; they they do what they do, but they weren't guys that you were kind of screaming out thinking we've got to sign these guys, we've got to sign these guys. But there is a a priced in advantage from familiarity, mm. you know, and, and you might get a more talented guy coming in, but if he hasn't quite got the, the headspace, right, right, you've wasted the year that you put in with the guy last year. So that's probably the, the logic of that, you know, a little bit of consistency. Um, doesn't matter quite as much with it being the cup early on um, in relation to hitting the ground running. Um, but um, yeah, it was interesting that he started with, with Cook and, and, and Tuck and Retino is basically playing the two guard now. Whereas... And- 
at the other end of the floor, the Knicks, uh, the Knicks, a lot of talk around them o- over the summer. Looks like looks like a nice roster. They started out well in this game, jumped out first seven points of the game, had a nice early lead. Yeah, they've picked up um, over the summer. They've picked up some kind of Brit- some British players who you know were worthy of further opportunities. You know, Dan Okodo played limited minutes for London last year, but played them well, and so he he has a a bigger role, obviously. When Worcester, what's happened to Worcester? Has happened to Worcester. The McSwiggins gone back to Cheshire, where, where he played under 16s, uh, um, and Kyle Carey as well, who you know who, who developed last year, is starting for them as well. So they've tried, and, and they brought in Teddy as their as their their floor general. Um, it'll be their issue, I think, down the line might be shot creation. They're going to have to create shots. They've got the same name and right, the ex Leicester guy. Um, to, I think to give them a little bit of scoring, they're going to be a solid team, um, but they're, and they're also missing an American big guy um, at the moment, so you can't overly judge the whole roster yet. Um, the biggest thing for Cheshire has, has been, and was in this game, was Mike Ocherobia, mm. um, you know, who looks to be in great shape. You know, that's that's the first thing you notice. He's, he's, I don't think he's as big as he was. He's the same, obviously, same you know, vertical size, but. That he's slimmed down a little bit. I think he's a little bit more athletic. I think he's getting off the ground a bit more, and he's always at the front of the rim. Mm. Um, and that eventually wears the opponents down. It didn't really matter ultimately how many centers Sheffield had in this game. Ochoa was better than all of them. Yeah. So um, swung back and forth. Sheffield found their rhythm in the in the second quarter, really, and then started the second half with uh, the first eight points and eleven two lead. 50 to 35 up and looked pretty comfortable at, at that. Yeah, point. and um, I think in the second half, from memory, yeah, Nichols, Nichols started with, with um, Del Pesce in the second half. And um, as I say, the playing last year, that number of, kind of little guards had Nick Lewis, um, the point guard last year, initially, and they had the Hemsley um, and Joe Campbell. And this year, they really don't have that. They've got um, the, the little guard, Anderson. But Rutinio is basically playing the two, and the new American Williams and Joe Jr. are playing the three. Um, and that's kind of an interesting. It impacts Rutinio a little bit because Rutinio's not Rutinio's a guy who creates off the catch, as opposed to creates you know off the, off the, off the, the, the flat ball screen. Um, what they did well was get into a rhythm, and Nichols got going. And when Nichols is a, is a tough cookie at the stretch four, you've got because he's got a step. He can step back and shoot, and at times he makes a game look ridiculously easy. But there are also t- there are other times where, where he's not either not on the floor because he's not what he needs to be. And when he got going with the Del Pesce's physicality, you know Cheshire couldn't handle it. But what happened was that the, the Sheffield bench had to come in, and um, Forrester's first law of the season is that in the first month of the year it is a major disadvantage to have ten guys who can play mm. because. You've, you know, the, the, the ability to build continuity is very, it is, is very, very difficult. Now, it comes down the line in January and February that it's a great advantage to have those guys because you have injuries yeah. and you have that and you've built them in. But for the first month, you're trying to get everybody in the game. Everybody, you've signed them, so you've got to give them a shot. You've got to give them a chance. Yeah. And so um, he, he, the, the bench came in and um, it was Cook and Cook and Tuck and um, Joe Jr. Was, uh, I'll say Joe Jr., and um, Lucien Christophis, who he signed, and um, I think he kept maybe Williams or Rutino on the court with them. 
and they just couldn't create a shot. Mm. No, they couldn't create a shot. And I think if you go back to the, the period of time around the, the two minutes to go in the third quarter to kind of two minutes to gone in the fourth quarter where the game changed to a four-minute period, I think maybe Cook blew a layup, maybe two travels, uh, maybe a jacked-up three. They never got a good look. Mm. And by the time the team came back with his starters, um, the, the rhythm of the game was entirely different. Yeah, 13 points in a row the Knicks had in that little spell that you, you talked about to go from um, to go from 12 down to one up. And and then last six minutes, rhythm's gone, shots are not dropping, Sheffield only hit one field goal in, in the last six minutes of the game. Yeah, and it was still, I mean, the game was still there because, mm-hmm. you know, um, Cheshire didn't you know, run away with it, they didn't take it away, uh, but they just ground them down and eventually I think Ocherobia's you know, offensive rebounding, getting extra shots, um, it just just kind of wore Sheffield down. And, and, and the, the last couple of plays as well, they were down four with 30 seconds to go. Williams has two free throws, he misses them. Yeah. And then they come down the other end and Atiba gets a, a technical foul. It, it looked to me like he was shouting at the other bench rather than at the officials. But whatever I thought he was shouting at the table. I, I mean, I, I watched it three times. I was trying to figure it out because he was trying to put a sub in. And the refs have stopped the game to allow the sub to come in. Mm. And I think it was a, a throwaway comment towards one of the table officials. I don't think the ref would have been, I mean, I might be entirely wrong, but I don't think the ref would have been that fussed about a throwaway comment towards the opponent. Yeah. If, if you say something towards table officials, then they have yeah, to yeah. put the table officials. Um, I mean, the technical itself, it, it sounds like a big thing, but it's only one shot. It's, it's mm. one point and, and the game continues. I mean, the reality... But it's combined with two miss. you got two miss throws, which could have made it a yeah. two-point game. And instead of being a two-point game, it's a five-point game. Yeah, that's right. And, um, and they've got the ball. But I think when he missed those shots and, and the foul was there, I think he, he knew the, the game was up. Um, and it's it happened at the, beginning of this, at the beginning of the year in particular because teams don't have hierarchies. So they don't know where to go to mm. get baskets when they need them. And so you, you've seen, actually, you've seen it across this weekend significant amount of games which have ended up with kind of a whimper where, where the team behind just has not known where to go to get a basket and um, this was another one mm. uh, Bradley 20 and 7 uh, off 7 of 13 shooting Ocherobia with a career high 19, 19 rebounds 18 points and 17 7 and 6 from from Teddy uh, Okirafor as well well, well Bradford uh, um, Bradley's going to be really interesting because he was a guy who, you know, at Bristol, he clearly had something about his game, but he was he was horrendously inconsistent. Then you look at the end of the season, you realise he averaged 15 points a game in 20 yeah. You're thinking, oh, hang on a minute. And Cheshire must have seen that and thought, oh, there's something in there. And, you know, the, your starting point of building any team in reality is your point guard and your stretch four. If you've got a point guard, you've got a stretch four, you're going to have space on the court. And... If Bradley goes for 20, because Bradley can score inside and outside, mm. if he goes for 20 spaces of floor, then they're going to be a very tough team to beat. But yeah, I don't think he's going to go for 20 every game. And, and so getting consistent play out of him mm. could be the um, determiner. For sure. As we as we may discover in, in a few... Uh, I'm not talking with him. <laughs> you know, fine, well, I know. Yeah, aye, true. Um, and my stat of this game, uh, that was Sheffield's biggest blown lead since April... 2018 up 15 losing the game the last uh, last one was bristol they led by 16 and lost by three in the end uh let's move on to newcastle 72 
Glasgow Rocks 82 and um, well, Glasgow very impressive in this game started out really well uh, the new guys doing it as well Jordan Johnson and, and JC Hillsman an 11-3 run and, and, and they got up early on yeah I haven't watched this game back I sat in the crowd and watched it but I had three eight-year-olds next to me who wanted lots of sweets <laughs> so I was trying to figure out who the new guys were while keeping them happy um, and I haven't watched it back because there's been so many other games um, Glasgow were far more ready than Newcastle. You could mm. see that. I mean, um, Newcastle had one preseason game a fortnight ago. It's tough in the middle of the season to to shoot the ball well when you haven't played for two weeks. It's very very difficult to do it when you haven't played two weeks at the beginning of the season. Um, and and two of their guys, I think, came in. You know, Fletcher and Shelton came in pretty late. But that said, um, that doesn't take away from Glasgow because um, their point guard was incredibly impressive. Um, he has a good. He has a good resume. Um, he he gave one of those performances, which was like, okay, I'm I'm around. I'm part. I'm here. I'm here. You know, I'm coming. Their assistant coach, Glasgow assistant coach now, Alan Keane, um, is um, one of Ian McLeod's best mates, actually. Mm. You know, and they coached together for England under 18s. So Alan will have known Ian's probably more than anything else. Mm. Um, which I think assist, will have assisted um, the way that Glasgow were able to scout Newcastle and defend Newcastle because they defended them a lot better than you know you normally expect a, a team to do first game of the season. Mm. Um, and by the way, Alan, welcome to the club of coaches who can stand on the sideline who aren't these coaches, just assistants, you know. Don't get a technical, don't get the main guy unhappy. Um, so he, I would let him in the union, but he hasn't paid his fees yet. <laughs> um, it's, not, it's not that much of a union. Um, it's just me talking to myself. Anyway, so um, so there's that. Um, the kit, I, I, I've got to say this now. The first thing I thought was Glasgow's kit was an abomination. <laughs> right. We don't normally get into that in this. I know that. that but for I, other I, podcasts. I know that, but even still, I've got, I'm just going to say, they got five of the pastiest guys in the league, all Scots, you know, Bunyan, Fraser, Gareth, Fraser, Malcolm, and um, mm, one of the other guys, um, Murray Hendry, right? And they, they're out there in a white, <laughs> skin tight, sleeveless, oh, sorry, sleeved, Kit, yeah, yeah. leaves nothing in the imagination with orange letterings, which I can't even read the players' names on from 12 feet away with my glasses on. So apart from the kit, they were great. Everything else, um, they, no, seriously, they moved the ball really well. Um, Newcastle's defence broke down in the first half and Glasgow got two of open threes. Corner threes, bad threes, threes you don't want to be giving up. And um, that kind of continued through the game. Um, teams are going to have to have a scout report for Jordan Johnson um, because if you're not going to have a scout report for Jordan Johnson, he's going to beat you. Um, and I'm not even sure what, as of yet quite what the scouting report is. Mm. The only knock on them, um, I think on Glasgow, might be down the line, where where else are they going to get shot creation from? But that could be the knock on most of the teams this, this year mm. in relation to, you know, ability to move the ball off the dribble. Um, but no, they were really good. Um, Elijah Many, um, you know, you know, well, he, he's a very interesting player um, because I don't think he's made a shot this season. I might be wrong, but he impacted the game in multiple ways. Six eight, long arms. Um, he, he, at one point, he, he kind of caught a, um, an air ball in midair, turned around, and was above the rim and missed his dunk. Mm -hmm. um, block shots he shouldn't block, uh, and um, 
he, he gave me a flashback to a guy called Cephas Bunton. Oh, right, yeah. Um, yeah. At one point, because he, he, was, he was like, you know, plastic man, you know, arms everywhere. So he's going to be an interesting guy to watch um, throughout because he's something different to what's in the league. Um, you know, a real athlete, um, kind of a, a, an X-factor guy who does different things. Um, but ultimately, it was Jordan Johnson who ran this game. Mm. Um, in relation to Newcastle, their defence was a major problem. Um, offence, it's always going to be difficult. But defensively, you can't be given... Glasgow only made 9 of 34 shots, and to be honest, the, the, the ones they made were wide open. When Newcastle were able to string some decent defence together, they actually could get stops. Um, they probably benefit... They, they like what Shelton gave them. Shelton gave them 16 and 11 in 18 minutes, basically fresh off the plane. That's always encouraging. He also probably leads the league in chest bangs. <laughs> Um, so you know, I hope he's got a, a, a kind of a tough sternum because he wouldn't want to injure himself that way. Um, the rest of the guys again, the, the basically it's a new team, it's Fletcher and Defoe in a new team, mm. so um, they've got a little bit of work to do, but I think they've got enough talent there. They just got to figure out some of the X's and O's and figure out what defensively and what they can give up and what they can't. But Glasgow would be really, really impressive. They look like a um well drilled um they play five out so it's one of the hardest teams in the league to guard because basically Fraser is one of the best post players in the league and yet he never touched the ball in the post mm. he was all out there setting screens popping for the 15 footer and that meant that there was never it was very difficult for Newcastle to get any re, any realistic help defense there and that allowed Johnson to, to take over um and then Jack Domney came in and probably fulfilled the role that he is best at which is off the bench yeah uh, six or six it was a big load down down low and impacted the game very positively for his team. So, yeah, deserved win. Uh, they had a 13-1 run in the third quarter that put them up uh, 12, and they were pretty comfortable after that. Bunyan hit a couple of threes. Lead got out to 21. It was at that point that I was wondering, when was the last time that Glasgow led uh, Newcastle by 21? And I, 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 well, I don't know the answer. I could guess, but I don't know the answer. There was a game. There was a game in... I can actually probably help you with that. I think, but there was certainly a game the night before my wedding. When was that? Started. That would be 2006. January no, the 13th, be after that. 2006. Be after okay. That. Uh, they got beat, but they got beat, but Jeremy Hyatt was playing. And obviously, I remember that because obviously it was my wedding, but obviously I went to the game. Yeah. Um, obviously. Yeah, yeah obviously. Um, and I think there might have been a game where in the trophy for the beginning of the season, where Glasgow won the won a game by twenty four when you cut when they needed to win by twenty five to qualify. So, so my best guess, uh, I had yeah. a, the 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 one I could find was December twenty seventeen was nineteen points, but they didn't get to that. must have must have eliminated that from my memory. They they won by twenty two in January two thousand eight. Everything after that was Newcastle wins basically because yeah. they dominated them for for ages. So yeah. I'm assuming it was January twenty eight, uh, two thousand and eight. Sorry, that must have been a league game. I can't remember which season was. It. Anyway, yeah, okay, I'll live with it. Can't remember it, but there you go. Uh, interesting stat I pulled out on uh, Corey Johnson, by the way, because he obviously yeah. struggled for uh, for his first game up in Newcastle, 0 of 6 from the three-point line. 53 games in the BBL, shoots 36.6% yeah. average three-point shooting. He has only four times shot over 30 and under 40% from the three-point line. So he's feast or famine. 
So right. don't, don't, I'm, what I'm saying to Newcastle fans is don't worry about the 0 for 6 this week because next week will be 6 for 10. Well, oh yeah, and that's the thing. That's why I don't think Newcastle are overly troubled by it because, you know, they've got shooters who, the, the, the right guys are shooting the shots. Mm. You know, Corey Johnson's shooting threes. If Louis Sears is shooting threes, even Kyle Williams shooting threes. You know, Kyle Williams shot 42% last time he was in the league. Mm. So, you know, those guys, the right guys are shooting shots. The shot creation wasn't quite as good as he wanted to be. But again, you know, you know, Fletcher's playing with two new big guys he's never met. You know, yeah, so Vincent yeah, and, and Shelton, he's not, he, he hasn't, doesn't know where they want the ball in the in the screen row if they're going to pop if they're going to do that. So they've, I think they've got a little bit of time to figure things out. But it's three, tough, so they're going to have to work hard. Yeah, three assists for Fletcher, which is uh, yeah, which is, but yeah, well, it's a lot of guys missed a lot of shots as yeah, well. Yeah, true, true. Uh, so let's move on to Surrey Scorchers eighty-five, Barking London Lions eighty-six. <laughs> Uh, it was it was the Barking Abbey team, obviously uh, the London Lions' uh, second team, who went through the because of COVID protocol. Um, now, no excuses here. Surrey should win the game. But what I will say in defence of Surrey is they had no Davis, no Lawrence, no Gilchrist, and no Hamrick, who presumably will be the start four of the starting five for as long as Gilchrist and Lawrence uh, are. Are, are on the team so yeah, yeah i mean i don't think the fact that they, they they lost the game is the is actually the biggest thing it's the way they lost it mm. you know um just to, i mean on the sorry thing you know it, it is it must be very frustrating for the you know for their supporters because you know they have everybody in there everybody in this dog training with them in the summer <laughs> But when it comes to starting the season, you've yeah. got two guys who haven't got national clearance, yeah. and you've got two guys who you've just announced last week who have suddenly picked up injuries. Yeah. And you know, we're getting to the point with with Andrew Lawrence, when's he going to play? You know, you yeah, yeah. he needs to play, yeah. um, because he didn't he didn't play that much this season with um London City. So, um, and, and speaking to Creon, they weren't expecting to play Teo that week because he's he was struggling yeah. with a bit of a hip, he had a great game by the way, and also, um. I don't think Kalen had trained all week either. Yeah, well, he didn't look. He was two or fourteen, so yeah. so that's right. Um, but what what really, I think what trouble they, they looked out. Of, if they're not if they're not hurt, they looked out of shape mm, mm. because they got the last fifth, the last five minutes um, of that basketball game, and they're up ten or eleven points. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's just spin it through to that because yeah. it wasn't a great deal of in it. Teo then uh, eight points, thirteen four start. They get up eleven. They're still up 11 with um, five, less than just under five minutes to go. It's 81, uh, 78. And, and you think, oh, they've weathered the storm here. You know, uh, Harrison had a great game with his five minutes and 28 seconds of BBL experience that he has that none of the rest of his teammates <laughs> had. Um, and you think they've, they've seen it through, but they just collapsed really. Sorry. Well, they collapsed. And if you watch the last five minutes, the, um, the, the you know, Barking didn't have to make a shot. Mm. They did not have to make a tough shot. They made. They got late. They got transition layups, two on one, three on one, where some of the Surrey guys are not back across the halfway line. Mm. Um, a couple of them are bitching to the referees. Um, they got. Um, they got the little, the little diagram sideline inbounds UCLA play, whereby basically they didn't pass a cutter on open layup, no help side on the other side. Um, they, they just. Um, just capitulated, mm. you know, and, and, and you know, somewhere along the line, you know, he, every basketball team and, and the, the, the kids from Barking did what they're meant to do, 
they played hard, they kept playing, they ran the stuff that they've been coached, they've got an excellent coach who's coached professionally, um, they ran everything, they did everything that they're meant to do, and they didn't eventually, they kind of, they, they pushed on that wall and the wall fell down. Yeah. And if, you're, if, you're, if you're pros, that, that, whatever happens, that can't happen, you know, you've got to get back and make a play, you can't be turning the ball over and, and complaining the referee it's in the last four minutes of a close, a close game, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. So that was what worried me a little bit. Obviously, um, as you say, you know, the team is only the players they've got, and they've got four more players or five more players. So there'll be an entirely different unit when those guys come to play. Yeah. You don't want that seeping in. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing is, you, we, we talk about, oh, COVID protocol, they've had to play their B team, blah, blah, blah. But what they've, what, in some ways, it's, it's better to play a team that is used to playing each with each other and, and together than sort of like like they did in the cup final last year where they had half a team and they were having lineups that they hadn't played together this was a full team playing a proper game in the way that they yeah. the way they played the next day and would have played the week before in you know yeah I, I agree and and um and as i say they were full they know barking abbey's a great program it's been a great program for a number of years like garden yeah. was games for years there now and um, they create good players, kids regularly go across to, to America and succeed, come back to this country and play as well. You know, you're not going to get, um, and, and what we've got now in this country with places like Barking and Charmwood and the Myers Cough and, thing, and places like that, as we do have um, elite factories, which, which are investing in proper, uh, and proper coaching for um, kind of that cohort of individuals that kind of 16 to 19 age group preparing them for America so um the detail will have been there you know the coach is a James is a coach is a pro coach and either of these guys wound up and they're playing the biggest game of their lives as of yet yeah you know so everything is lined up but, but my point is that you know there has to be some resistance from yeah, yeah, so no, three guys have been in relation to that you know to say no look it don't matter what's happening you're not you know you're not and you're not beating us. Um, so let, let's just get to the end of it. So yeah. first of all, Brandon Chuya and Zamuka Welch, and I hope I pronounced those right, scored 10, uh, 10 in a row between them to make it a one-point game with a minute to go. Mm. Um, Surrey had the ball 35 seconds out of a timeout, and the play they ended up with was uh, Kalen Raftopoulos driving to the basket. And to me, I don't... I don't think you uh, anybody would draw up a play for the smallest guy on the court to be driving to the basket. But what that did was he got his shot blocked and that gave an easy score the other way. Whereas even if you had a 24 second violation or you throw it out of bounds or whatever, you're forcing them to come back down and run a play against you. You're still up one. Well, they were, to they were totally discombobulated because as you say, there were four guys basically flat underneath the foul, down from the, down the foul line. So beneath the level of the foul line. Kaelin on the top, nobody came to set a screen. There was no ball reversal. There was probably five or six seconds on the shot clock. And it wasn't just that Kaelin went to the basket. Kaelin went to the basket to his left mm. um, and shot, attempted to shoot basically an eight foot running, floating left-handed hoop. Mm. Now Kaelin's been in this league a number of years now, probably a decade since he was at Worcester. I've never seen him try and shoot that shot. Mm. Occasionally he, shot, he steps in, he shoots a little right-handed push shot. Mm. I've never seen him go straight down the middle. Now, whether that's because there's nothing there, whether that's because their heads are just all gone and he's trying to make something happen or whatever, but it's totally against anything I've ever seen him do, whether it's a lack of respect for the other guys, but he, he, he got his shot swatted. 
and it was because the other four were on the, on, under the foul lane. Yeah, yeah. Bradley Caboza uh, ran it back for a layup. So then they come down the, again, and this time they get uh, Kalen in his more natural territory, shoots yeah. a three, misses it. Yeah. We'll give credit to Jameson. I thought it was a bit of a lucky bounce from him to, but it ended up in Macklemore's hands and he lays it in yeah. with 7.2. And yeah. then we come down, come down the other end, and I just thought Jameson. I'm, I'm not quite sure what he was doing defensively. No. Well, right, first first game rookie. I have no idea what he was doing. Um, it was interesting because they called the timeout, and um, Creon took Kalen out mm. um, and put Dean Wanless in. Mm. And I mean, I like Kay, I like Kalen as the ability, having the ability in a seven second game situation. Having Kalen with the ability to, to to actually harass somebody and make them dribble to the left instead of having a straight line drive, um, would I would I think it'd be my choice? But anyway, he put Dean Wallace in, and that meant that, um, as you say, um, the new guy, Saquon Jameson. Jameson. Um, yeah, he ends up. He's basically a power forward from what I can see. He looks yeah. like a pretty solid yeah, power forward. He is. He's but a big he ends up matched up on. And, and, and Barking Abbey or London are playing with you know five guys who are basically what I can see under six foot six. Mm. They're all athletic. They're all relatively skilled. They, they can all put the ball on the ground. They can all they can all drive. And he ends up matched up with somebody who's got a step on him basically. Yeah. And he allows him to get a step in him because he goes and guards him 35 feet from the basket. Yeah. What then happens is because he gets that step, Dean Wander steps in late. It's a clear foul, clear yeah. block. Yeah. He was underneath that. Uh, and, and you know, shrugged shoulders all around and everybody's yeah, yeah. Sort of thinking what's going on. And the kid steps up and he knocks him down. Knocks and him then down. After, even after he knocks him down, there's 1.5 seconds left. Jameson takes the ball out of bounds and just flicks it into Kalen's hands. Mm. It it because Kalen subbed in by then, 85 feet from the basket. Yeah, yeah. And what you've got to do is you've got to throw it long. Yeah, yeah. Hope that someone can catch it or something. Yeah. And it just seemed to me that the whole the last five minutes of that game was a mental disintegration from Surrey. Now, as I say, you know, they've got extra players to come in. Yeah. And you know, international clearance has been a bugbear of everybody's for, for however many years. Yeah, yeah. It never gets any better. So yeah. you're not gonna hold them to that. They're standing but, there as well. That's the worst thing. They're about standing there. Like, really, like, the visa thing that that most clubs have suffered with is is one thing because they're they're stuck with no passport in yeah. wherever they live. But these two guys are on the sidelines. So. Yeah, and basically, just so people understand, if you've played in a different country last year, there's a little um, a fee about racket basically, which means that every club who's signing a player who's played from another country has to pay 100, 100 euros or hundred pounds to that other country for them to confirm that they're allowed to they're allowed to play in this country free of any encumbrances and the same works the other way so gb basketball can can also claim that money for people that we send abroad but that's not as much now due to brexit and so what that but, but the problem is is that um it's reliant upon the the federations where the other two guys are played so if those two guys for instance think one of them played in kosovo or albania, albania. or something like that if, if the albanian federation isn't, isn't working its fax machine or its yeah. email then well, you can put the application on Monday and they've got seven days to clear it, which means yeah. you don't get cleared. My insider information is that the Albanians said they had cleared it and it stuck in fever somewhere. But that, Well, that indeed, you know, so what a mess. I mean, a totally unnecessary yeah. mess and it frustrates yeah. everybody every year. And yeah. we try and work around it, but um, it was always a big bugbear of mine anyway. Right, from one one-point game to another. Leicester Riders 84, Bristol Flyers 85. Flyers without... 
Marcus Evans, who on paper looks potentially to be their best player, perhaps. Well, I mean, Tell me, we'll see. I, I, I don't know who Marcus there Evans is. Sorry, I've, I've missed that press release. He used to sponsor, used to sponsor uh, Ipswich Town, I think. Oh, uh, right. No, the uh, yeah. Well, let's have a. We'll we'll wait and see. Well, let's, yeah, get, him okay. the, let's get him in the country and see what happens. But. Uh, an interesting game this in that Leicester started and finished the first quarter really well got a double figure lead looked like they were ready to pull away with it but um, Trajan Jacob um, and and the Flies made just enough shots to hang in hang in there in that first half when they were when they were struggling a bit um, yeah it was weird it was a weird game it was weird watching Bristol because you know Andreas has had for the last seven or eight years very systematic teams um, um, at times almost too systematic whereby the opponents have been able to figure them out and it was almost like um, you know he'd been struck by lightning or something because <laughs> he's saying because he's saying two guard and they're just going they're just mm. attacking mm. Um, and there was there was none of the none of the the, 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 the delicate or, or or contrived sets or anything like that. He was just they were just letting them play. And it was great, it was great to watch because you know Elijah Many was one of guys I was I, kind of my eyes went, oh um Trayon Jacob was the other one. Mm. Um, he, you know plastic I think at one point he, he kind of jumped up, did a minute shot, did a somersault, got back on his feet. <laughs> yeah, um, like Simone Bills. Um, <laughs> you know, um you know and I've looked at him thinking he's six foot five, he's left-handed, he, he shoots it, he shoots it to the ceiling. Yeah, it makes 38 percent and i'm thinking gee what's this you know this guy's different um and um him and, and the point guard who's a little miller who's a little bit more um convent conventional but um still impactful um really kept them in the game and that's what that's what you know so so your guard and then you stretch four and josh rogers was a stretch four and ultimately yeah, not, not yeah. done shots um so no you know hats off to plymouth hats off to bristol sorry because um uh, it was, you know, I thought they were playing in a way which really suited the talent that they had. You know, Riff Thomas Edwards is attacking. George Rogers is popping. Um, the big guy Simmons um, did enough, I think, mm. um, to show that he's he's got something to give. Uh, you know, um, and just overall, I thoroughly enjoyed watching them play. And it's not always been that way. Mm. Um, well, what they what they did with this one was hang, hang about when when it wasn't going their way they did enough to just stay in the game and if you can do that at some point it swings back your way and it was in the fourth quarter they had 10 in a row and suddenly five minutes to go in the game they're up five and and, and in a good spot yeah it was <laughs> Leicester are in the 10 the 10 player situation i described before you know they've yeah. got 10, 10 players and even with three or four games abroad those guys, Gino's not played, Zach Jackson's not played. So they had seven or eight guys and had a couple of the Loughborough students playing mm. and everybody's happy and everybody's got their roles. And then suddenly you bring in the MVP and everybody's role changes. Mm. And then you, and there's less minutes for everybody and, and suddenly they're, they're all looking for their own little areas. And that's difficult to manage in September and October. Mm. Um, made, made more difficult by the fact that at the end of the first quarter, he's a plus 16 on the, on the plus minus, Gina. Yeah, well, and yeah, it's that, one of those where he's not played, but he's come in and they're so much better with him on the court. And it's... Yeah, and, and the, but the, you know, there's... We're getting to and he looked, he looked a bit fatigued towards the end yeah. of the game as well. So you've got that no, thing, thing where do you play him? Yeah, I think Fletcher was the same in Newcastle. Mm. He came in on Tuesday as well. You know, I think, you know, ultimately you can't put miles in the legs if the miles aren't in the legs you know yeah, so, yeah. um 
I mean, this can be interesting going forward, Esther, because you know the whole thing, the whole, the whole thing we talk about with the crowns and the plus minus. You, know, you have to get to the point where, well, hang on, these other guys can play. So what is it that's the? Why is the flow of the game changing so much? You know, is it because of you know Gino is quite ball dominant, and therefore everybody else is playing off him, and therefore they're not ready to kind of step to the next step when he's when he's off the court. Because they shouldn't be losing those minutes as well as often as they do, or certainly as often as they did last year as well. So that's an interesting thing to look for going forward. Um, but the bigger thing, well, the two bigger things I noticed with Leicester is um, it's the first time I can remember that Rob has started two small guards. Mm. Uh, I say small guards, so Crandall and, and McKenzie, because McKenzie's basically a point guard, you know, where, where he's played. Um, and it's always been a guard and a, a slasher, be it Heron last year, Zach Jackson, Neymar Wright. All of those guys, even Tyler Bernardini, you know. Um, so I'll be interested to see how long that experiment remains, um, because he's got Zach Jackson there now, and, and and you know that was a very nice fit last year mm. when they had the, the only they, they, they had uh, he's got loving loving is basically a William Lee clone, probably not as good defensively, probably a little bit better offensively, mm. um, and obviously Whelan has been signed to take the place of Corey Johnson or Whelan or Adekoya, so. Basically, you know, that kind of Crandall-Jackson uh, axis was very useful last year, but then you have to find minutes for McKenzie and Washington off the bench, which, which would be potentially tough because then you're sitting Crandall down and we know what that does to the plus-minus. Mm. So that their decisions, are they're, they're, they're good decisions, but they're bad decisions. You know, people say, oh, I've got so many players, they're good decisions to have to have. They're not really, you know, because they're tough because you, you, you can get drowned in options. Um, and the second thing is starting the two small guards, I think, does affect them defensively. Um, you know, I'm not sure that I think McKenzie, I'm not sure McKenzie's perfectly suited to defending two guards in this league. I think he's more just more suited to defending point guards. And um, certainly they gave up more points against Bristol than you would have expected in, you know, given the depth that they've got, the energy that they've got, the length that they've got. They don't have Jamel Anderson anymore, who was the, the kind of the, the, the plaster. So you've got a lot of guys there who are trying to find their way and figure their way. Someone's going to have to kind of step up to that role, be it, you know, Adekoya or be it um, Whelan or, or whatever, um, because that's how they're going to get on court at the end of games. You know, he's going to, Rob's got so many guys to choose from. And um, so it became a bit of a shootout. Mm. Let's, get to, let's get to the end of the game. So Leicester, after having struggled to score, then... Mackenzie got to the free throw line. That was the thing that sparked them. Then Nelson Henry, a tough score, Adekoya in the corner, loving. Yeah. And they were up. They got they got up. Simmons tied it. And then uh, 30 seconds to go, Rogers, who didn't miss a shot all game, hits a big three. And it was one of those where they actually wanted an M1 on the yeah. on the on the play. And given that Jacob hadn't made a free throw, it wasn't a guarantee that it would have been the go-ahead. But instead they got three points from Rogers, which did put them in front. Yeah, I mean, I think what I thought at the end of the game was, from memory, Crandall got tired because he threw a couple of passes he wouldn't ordinarily throw and turned the ball over into the basket a couple of times. And then I think after Rodgers made the three... He went to the basket looking for a He went to the basket and didn't get a call. Yeah, um, he didn't. I don't think... He, I, I think uh, uh, that, that's just a little bit faster than he ordinarily would. Mm. I think a little bit less control than he ordinarily would. Whether there's a call or not, I don't know. I'd have to look at it back. But I think he, my impression was that he was fatigued at that point. As I say, you know, it was 30 minutes you're coming in, played 30 minutes you're coming in from not having played for six months or five months. So it's, it's kind of understandable. Um, and then, um, yeah, when we got to the timeouts, didn't we? Yeah, then they call a timeout, they advance the ball, it, it comes in, 
they're yeah. going to do in less a quick foul because they'd only committed one foul to that point. So they were needing to bang, bang, bang. They actually lost about three seconds as a result. And then, you know, I, I teed you up on air that for, for, yeah. for this five-second violation. Now, to be fair, it wasn't on the advance, so they had no choice. It was always going to be on the yeah. side. I mean, I think they had to advance the ball, and I'll tell you why. Um, it was because it was off a turnover. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't run the base. If it's a score, off, off a score, you yeah, can run. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, running the baseline is a massive advantage to getting the ball in bounds because you can, you can run, you know, your first thing. If you're stuck under your own basket up one with nine seconds to go, um, then the, the, the nightmare is that you turn the ball under and you, over, you can't set your defence, they score. Mm. You know, and, and, and I think you've got to take that away. You can get away, you can be a little bit more comfortable about it if, you're, if you can run the baseline. So they, they, had, they had to do that. But it went, they went into kind of brain fog, Bristol, because the first time they ran the set perfectly, the guy popped, you know, there's two places you can go, we've talked about it before, you pop up to the halfway line, one guy comes off the screen, pops up the halfway line, the second guy breaks to the near corner, and you're throwing the ball to the corner. So you're not throwing the ball through any hands. Mm. You're not lobbing the ball over the top. You're not giving any chance. For any chance. You know, the first time they threw it to the, 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 the near corner, and they were able to throw it back, I think. And yeah, to the halfway. Came yeah. off, and the foul came off. And then you watch the second time. Firstly, everything starts late. So instead of starting setting the screen before the ball comes in bounds, the guy slaps the ball, and it's two seconds before there's any movement. So you've immediately lost two seconds. Mm. Lest they've seen what's coming. So they affront the guy who's coming up high, and nobody else, nobody else moves. Three mm. Bristol guys literally stand there. Nobody breaks the corner. Nobody makes a target. And all, all he could have done better would have been to maybe throw the ball off the rest of this guy's legs. Yeah, yeah. At that point. Um, and it, it was a, but you don't want to really do that either. because Yeah, because you know, if it bounces gone. off yeah. his leg and goes that way, he runs back yeah, away. Yeah the, whole, yeah, the whole thing can go. It's, it's too many uncertainties, you know? So, yeah, Bristol brain freeze at that point, which gave Leicester a chance. And then um, Leicester in a great play. Um, and the problem with the play was um, um, it left Connor too open, too early, um, because they ran, I think it was Wheeler, it was maybe the other, one of the guys ran down towards the near corner. Um, Gino came up to get the basketball and Connor sprinted across the court to the far corner. Two guys end up with Gino. Mm. No one ends up with Connor. Totally lost. But because... Um, Gino's not expecting Connor to be that open. He takes a dribble to, as he does. He wants to assess his options to see what he's got, to mm. see where he's going to go. And taking that dribble, he realizes Connor's wide open. He throws him the ball, but that one beat allows the guy who's at the top of the key to recover back to Connor and at least get a good challenge on the shot. And um, it was still a makeable shot. Yeah. Um, but it was actually a play that worked too well, you know, um, just left him too far, too open. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of the. I don't love a three point shot in that situation, but he was so open that. He, that well, that's what Gino. That was what, that that's, was what, that's why Gino took the dribble because he yeah. wants to assess what's there. I make how yeah. am I going to attack? Who's open that yeah. side? But it was the one time where he just needed to just yeah. poof, poof, yeah. and it was gone. And you would expect Connor to make that shot as well. I, I, mean, I, don't, I think I think if you played that game again, he makes the shot unless to win. Yeah, plenty of other shots against us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, the classic is the one against Cheshire where he hits down in the corner on the buzzer and everybody goes wild. Ah, that was only a two-point shot. Though. The it was only I, a two. But... The classic I remember was when we were up 11 at Sports Central and with a minute and a half to go, managed to miss about six foul shots, and then um, including one with three seconds to go. And then our whole team 
um, and I hope Paul Gores isn't watching this, um, our whole team decided that um, we'd just stand and let Connor shoot one in them, because he was young at that time and no one really yeah, knew yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'd stand let him shoot one in trail and took it to overtime and I think we still won the game and there may have been a brawl afterwards but anyway it was fun uh, <laughs> but no he's you know he's, he's too good you can't you know if you've yeah. got an open shot to win the game you, you live with that so let's move on to the Saturday game Bristol Flyers in action again 84-75 victors this time first time they've gone 2-0 and um, since their debut season in the BBL, 14-15. Uh, yeah. No Kingsley Okoro for um, Plymouth City Patriots. And there's a fine for whichever of us says Raiders first. Um, <laughs> there was there was really nothing in this. Crazy first quarter, 30-32. to 32, And I looked that up. There's only seven times in the last 12 years that both teams have scored 30 points in the first quarter. You know something? When that yeah. happened... I nearly sent you a message, but I knew you would look at it anyway. <laughs> um, so that's true. Um, yeah, um, it was. It was. It was a layup drill in the first quarter. Um, Bristol, because they were happy from winning the last game, and they were all in rhythm because they played the night before. Um, Plymouth, because they were fresh and, and it was a new start, and everyone's getting opportunities that they probably wouldn't otherwise have got had um, all the Turkish lira not disappeared. Um, so you know you've got now guys in Plymouth now who are really going to get a shot. You know, they're not going to be coming in to be seventh, eighth men on the BBL bench. You know, they're going to get the chance to to really push themselves forward. And um, obviously, just so people understand, when you start a new company, which is what the, the city Patriots are, um, in order before you can bring American players in, you have to be assessed as suitable to sponsor immigrants by the government and get what's called a sponsor's license. And that means they do a due diligence on you. Um, on the company to ensure that it's an appropriate do you have to go through all the steps so that could take months um, so that's why they have no American players at this point um, but this gives them the opportunity as I say to, to, to look at some guys like Joe Hart and um, obviously Denzel's come back and Liam Cartman has come over from Germany and, and give those guys a chance to um, to show what they unfortunately desperately miss is some it's like a seven foot behemoth in the middle <laughs> and unfortunately he got injured he was sat there he was sat there injured in pre-season and that's absolutely gutting for PJ because, mm. you know, that's they are um, AD athletically deficient. Mm. Um, they, they, at this point in time, you know, they got a starting one guy, Cameron King, who's probably 6'6 at centre. Mm. We did okay, to be fair. Sean Shelton was probably 6'6 and about nine stone went through. Is at um, and Again, it's not a bad thing, it's just what he is. You know, he's playing the four. Um, and, and again, they, they did okay. And then um, LVC and Denzel, and, and Denzel's probably their only athlete. You know, they've got shooters who can score. Joe can shoot, Liam can shoot, all that stuff. But um, they're going to need to be able to match up with the athletes, unfortunately. Um, and that, I think, showed as the game went on, um, it became harder and harder for them to create shots. Um, and Bristol... Even though and Jacob got injured, so I hope that's not the last we've seen of him. I hope he's all right because I want yeah. to see more of him. Yeah. Um, Bristol, you know, were able to, to run their bench a little bit and, and the, couple, the, couple, the guys who they brought up from the second team didn't look out of place. And, you know, Plymouth had a couple of little runs, but you never, yeah. felt, that they, never felt that they quite had enough um, to get back into it. Um, and it's going to be a tough start for them. They're in, a, they're in a tough group. Obviously, they've got the two games against Surrey, which will probably dictate whether they go through or not. It's also interesting because I think, you know, if you're in the North group, you're going to be salivating at the thought of winning the group and getting a home tie against either 
Plymouth are sorry at the moment, the way things are. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, it creates an interesting dynamic. Well, then Surrey could have another four players in the lineup by the That's time. That's a point, yeah, you don't know. I agree. Plymouth could get you could find a couple of Americans yeah. if their licenses come through. So the whole thing can the whole thing can change very quickly. But that's where we are at the minute with them. Um they just I think um yeah, just athletically deficient. They, they were well coached, they ran what they meant to run. So let me ask you this question, because it was a bugbear of mine. It happened in the Newcastle game and it happened in this game where it's nine or ten points and the team nine or ten points up has the ball on the final play and dribbles it out. Yeah. In a cup, uh, in a cup competition where the points will matter or might matter, not just in the head-to-head, because like you say, if there's a team in, in the group who everybody beats – there's quite possibly going to be multiple ties that will be overall basket difference split. Yeah, it could be the difference between a home game and an away game and a semi-final and a quarter-final. Yeah, it's... If I'm putting it um, generously, um, it, you know, you're happy you've won two games if you're Bristol. Yeah, yeah. You know? Glasgow, you're absolutely delighted to have beaten Newcastle. Mm. But I know that because I was sat behind the Eagles bench, and for some reason, whoever gave me the tickets at the arena has sat me right behind the Eagles bench, which is probably not particular. <laughs> yeah, I could have done with being a bit further back. Um, but um, I know that the Eagles, Ian was pushing the guys to get back. He wanted down to eight, he wanted down to six. You know, he's aware yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Glasgow, you know, Glasgow won in, you know, won in Newcastle. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That it doesn't point, happen often, does it? And, and so, so even think, tonight, uh, Leicester, Leicester up 16. Now, 16 is more than nine, so maybe I have a slightly, yeah, I can, I can get again, away this, with that a bit more because I, I don't see Leicester and Surrey being, I know what you're saying, but in, in, but, but it, in, but in it might be the multiple time thing. It, it, yeah, I get again, that. this what this comes from is I've done a lot of Euro Cup over the years, yeah. and it's the same format with uh, six teams, top four goes through points difference comes into it and i've never seen a team up nine or ten dribble out the ball in the last 20 seconds yeah. like well that. we i mean we i remember um thank you i'm getting getting some brawls in tonight um 2010 kelvin hall glasgow mm. first game of the season it was one of those trophy cup groups yeah, with yeah. us yeah. glasgow and somebody else it was Falkirk or somebody wasn't it well yeah somebody true or something somewhere yeah, yeah. In, Somewhere off all the B roads in Scotland, I don't know. And um, so it was, it was Eagles in Glasgow, and it was um, a double overtime game. And it was Mike Copeland, Mike Copeland, who was in North Carolina. Um, he, um, we won in double overtime, um, and about four seconds to go up by eight or nine, and Fab goes and tries to lay it in for that very reason. And Mike Copeland fouls him and, you know, straight out of America. Yeah, disrespectful, man. You can't be doing that. And Sterling's on the bench saying, no, man, no, no, it's not that. And so, yeah. and obviously, you know what Fab's like? He's not taking it back with step. No, your competition. No, your competition. They were playing points difference. And I'm right in the middle there trying not to get hit, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so it's always been it's always been in people's minds. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it just is. The other thing is, if your team has stopped, yeah. Right. And if you're a coach and you suddenly say go, yeah. Right. You risk someone pulling a hamstring or yeah, someone yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. looking at the ball. It's just too much, you know. So it's it's probably preparation beforehand. But then again, you don't really want to be saying to your team, look, guys, when we're one by ten, just keep playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I give them I give them a pass, but I wouldn't give them a pass this weekend if it happens again. Yeah. The they the one difference with your your cup is the overtime points don't count. 
for in the, in yeah. the points difference. Quite right too. Zero. And that, and that makes more right sense. Too. Yeah, I've been there before as well, where um, you know teams are trying to play against the overtime to win by some. Yeah, um, and, and I think the BBL has not sorted that problem out yet. No, needs- no I, I, nobody has. They, they, it's, it's the same in it's, it's the same in like international competition. It's only Euro Cup and Euro League that that uh, don't count the overtime points. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Sunday's game uh, games. Even London Lions brackets full team uh, ninety yeah. Plymouth City Patriots sixty one. Um, they went out. I, I didn't watch this game, uh, obviously, because I was doing the, course, the Leicester do. game. They, they go out 22, 20 to two up. I assume they thought the game was won, and Plymouth came back with a 17 1 run and then 23 7 to finish. And that looks like it, really. Yeah, well, it was a, I mean, it's a brutal schedule for Plymouth. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to go to London at four o'clock um, on the Sunday just to find a nicely non COVID rested team. Mm. Um, up there against you, uh, having played at Bristol on a Saturday night, when you're playing without your big guy, you've got basically seven guys that you're playing. And as I say, London may be the most, the longest, most athletic team in the league in certain teams. So, yeah, I mean, London were ready to go, and I think the first two players of the game were dunks for Kelly, you know, one in a screen roll, one of a dump down pass from Jordan Williams. And they weren't just kind of uncontested dunks. It was like the kind of dunk that only someone who's seven foot one can make, you know? Where, mm. Oops, you're six feet from the basket, pick up, bang. Mm. And um, from that moment on, yeah, I mean, I, I think Plymouth knew that they were in a, a bit of a hiding and nothing. But it's an opportunity for those guys. You know, that's the thing. It's still not, it still remains an opportunity. So they are going to have runs. They are proud. Um, they just, you know, if the game's over 20 minutes, they've got a shot. But if the game's over 40 minutes, it's just, mm. just too much. And eventually... Um, London wore them down. So I watched bits of it, but I'll be the same. I didn't watch all of it. You know, again, Ubiaro was quite impressive getting to the basket, showing his athleticism. Um, and Carpenter actually stepped up and made a couple of shots I saw, but I didn't watch all of it. I have, I've got no comment on London at all because I'm not judging them on that. It's a first yeah. game. Yeah. Um, there is, I mean, Justin's still not playing. They started, interestingly, started Reese at the point guard as opposed to Jordan Spencer or Andre Lockhart. Which I think is interesting because I'm not sure if he's going to be the point guard going forwards. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he becomes a two. And started Jordan Williams as well um, at the four, which is probably a good a good fit in the BBL. Um, but apart from that, you know they've got a lot of guys that we know about already. You know, Vortibit, Lockhart, Spencer, Tawia, all those guys, and um, the Americans. But we'll see when they when they're properly tested. Yeah. Well, let's let let's move on then to to less than ninety six. Sorry. Uh, 80 and obviously sorry still with the same lineup they had on on friday night um i mean this yeah, i watched was a bit sh- of this but that was mainly for the commentary yeah, obviously obviously <laughs> um, i mean this was a, a, a fascinating shootout between loving and uh, and teo in the in the first half yeah both, it was can, 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 i watched the shot. first quarter mm. i watched the first quarter because it just kind of it just kind of pipped london v plymouth for me yeah <laughs> Um, you know, just as I say, um, uh, and yeah, it was kind of you shoot, I shoot type of thing. Um, I thought at some point, at one point, I thought Leicester were going to shut them down. I think in previous years or maybe later on in the season, Leicester might shut, mm. shut them down, but they, they didn't really. Um, Theo got going, then Macklemore got going a little bit. And, you know, I think, again, I think you win by 16, you're not concerned, but there's you know, you don't, you don't want to give up 80 points to that Surrey team if you're Leicester. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as I say, it's, it, it, all these games are with the rider if it's the first week of the season. So, yeah, you know, yeah. and, you know and, and that's right. But, you know, just going back off previous years, there's times when the first week of the season, Leicester held the team at 50. Yeah. You know, um, but again, that's the point. Of, that's the point about having moving parts and, and then not everybody necessarily knowing um, or having that. Everybody's trying to carve away for themselves in that team. And and that doesn't necessarily mean defensively in the first two weeks of the season. You're looking at you're looking at just about where you're there, you know. So that's an issue. Um, but nothing too troubling for them. Um, sorry, yeah, they came back with a bit of pride, I thought. Mm. Um, and certainly Teo came out with a bit of pride and kind of led them, which is credit to him. Um Robertine's a big guy, mm. you know. I'm not sure if he's um I'm not sure how he's going to defend in space or how he's going to handle the BBL and all the travel because it's, it's, it's very, very difficult on big guys, big guys' bodies. Um, and, you know, they, they, need their, they need their Americans in for us yeah. to probably judge them. Yeah. Uh, Matt Lamore, particularly in the second half, was, was good. Well, again, that was actually, he scored on McKenzie again. That was kind of the thing, kind of a bigger two-guard and McKenzie's kind of smaller two-guard. It's kind of why I say, um, you know, they're going to have to make a decision on that. Um that Mackenzie Jackson thing mm. because I'm not sure which way it'll go. Um, Mackenzie's been there pre-season, but he's been there starting as a point guard pre-season. Well, playing with Connor. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, Loving, yeah, Loving can score. I mean, he, he appears to be an even more laconic version of William Lee. Mm. No, even, even kind of just as long, probably not quite as defensively athletic on the weak side on blocking shots and things like that. But you know he's one of these kind of almost kind of NBA guys who you know he knows his spots to get to. Mm. When he gets to his spots, he scores. There's a lot more um, individualistic talent in Leicester than there has been, I think, for a while, um, because they've always been sort of systematic offensively, getting shots, getting their shot spectrum right, shooting the threes, getting the ball in the post, all that stuff. It's kind of, as I say, Wheeling and um, Adekoye and Loving and Mackenzie. They're a little bit probably a little bit more off the cuff. So it'll be interesting to see how that, that pans out as well. I'm, I, I'm a good Leicester watcher. I spent some of the years watching them. But it worked out how I beat them. Um, it's always, they, they intrigue me because there's, a, there's always a, um, a a background to, um, kind of there's 10 years of background in relation to how, how they're developing and what they're going to do differently, mm. which you don't get with some of the other clubs because they've got new coaches or, or a new team every year. And, it, you know, or they're trying to kind of jump themselves up into the next echelon. You don't get that, but you've got that with Leicester. So it's always interesting, a little bit like watching Newcastle, watching London. It's intriguing. Uh, let's move on to Glasgow. Speaking of commentary, Philip yeah. Brown. Philip Brown, Brown. On, on, on commentary. Um, shout out to Philip. Uh, not, I only heard a minute of it, but... Uh, didn't hear his intro. His intro went on for about four minutes. He wrote, <laughs> did he? He wrote a 2,000 word essay for his intro. <laughs> he said he He's had like, no time to prepare. You're joking. He's sponsored, you know, sponsored by Kia Starmer. Um, <laughs> I mean, oh, it was great stuff. Um, no, congratulations. He had John Bunyan next to him, which was good. Yeah, I like John. Yeah. He's quite very laconic and very entertaining. And they had the lovely blue kit on instead of the abominable white one, which is also good. Um, you can tell Philip off, though. He did mention that one of the players was from the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and Minnesota, when, of course, it's Minneapolis and St. Paul. Wow, shocking. And, uh, yeah, shocking so, that he would get their geography wrong on that. I know that. And I noticed it. And he didn't, you know, so I'm, I'm disappointed in him. And um, the P45 is in his. Well, it, it, I know he listens, so I'm sure yeah. he'll, he'll contact yeah. you on Twitter. But um, 
not yeah, just yeah. not just because I only saw the last two minutes of this game. Um, yeah that I want to spin it through to the last two minutes of this game. But also, because mm. when I went back through the the play-by-play, the -play, there was never more than two shots in the game all the way through mm. until the last two minutes of the game. It was a very disjointed game. It was a typical, it was a BBL bounce-back game for both mm. teams. Um, Sheffield bouncing back from losing at home to a game, a game which they probably should have won. And then Glasgow bouncing back from winning in front of 2,500 people in Newcastle. Mm. And, and, and there's a different, you know, and when you're dealing with Rookies and 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 it became very clear early on in the um you know Kipper Nichols showed up Kipper Nichols had a hell of a game he was on guard twenty probably twenty five points twenty three twenty three and ten um which maybe his season maybe his career high in the BBL and um but it was the way he got them he got them when his team needed them um Glasgow basically um John Johnson turned up um of the starters and the rest of them didn't um the rest of them weren't ready. Um, and and at the end, by the end of the first quarter, because I watched quite a lot of this game, so I was interested to see how good Glasgow were, what, what my impression was, was from Friday. What the start of the first, the, in the first quarter, they had 16 points or 18 points at the end of it, and Johnson had nine points and two assists. Mm. Uh, basically, I think there was a, a Hail Mary three and a Fraser offensive rebound or something like that. So basically, everything came through him. And um, Gareth very quickly, I think, kind of figured out what was going on because. Um, the Scots played a lot more, you know. Many um, Malcolm was in for many early. Um, Fraser played a long way, and um, he came in early. And he and he made four threes, and he's playing to stretch four as well mm. now. And, and so he was playing off Johnson. Johnson was looking for him very well, <laughs> but um, they never got into any real um, rhythm at all. Nothing like the rhythm they'd been in. You know, the bounce just wasn't quite there that they had on the Friday night, and I don't think the game plan was was quite there either. I think they had a week to focus on Newcastle and, and how to stop Fletcher and, and and probably you know a day to look at Sheffield and, and a few guys that they've never seen before. And um it was one of those games whereby I just felt Sheffield had enough. Del Pesh again, you know, that it's very much um kind of old style basketball with Sheffield they're throwing the ball into Del Pesh and letting them go to work. Um they Anderson is um, quick and he's savvy. I'm not sure about his, 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 his shot making. That might come or we might see a bit more of that. He knows how to run the team. He makes the right plays most of the time. Um, what they don't still, what they still kind of do, and Christophis, to be fair, he came in off the bench, gave them, made a couple of threes, a couple of foul shots, gave them some really good minutes as a backup point guard, which they need. I'm still a little bit Conflicted about Williams, the 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 the, the new guy. Um, he's very athletic. He can score, but he also shoots shots he probably shouldn't. And I don't know how much patience T was going to have, you know, for him getting to the rim and, and chucking up a shot which doesn't hit the rim because he's off balance or whatever. That's probably happened three or four times, which is more than it should. Um, and Retino is, as I say, he's playing the two guard, and, and, and I'm not sure he's perfectly suited for that. I think he's more of a Kind of a swing man who's better playing the three and catching and attacking off that. Um, so their shot creation is going to be an issue. If Del Pesh isn't there, or if they, if Del Pesh isn't getting them cheap points on the offensive rebound, um, then Anderson's going to have to create a lot of shots for that team. Um, and, and sorry, Del Pesh and Nichols, because Nichols did a great job creating shots. Um, and in the game, this is one of the games I was talking about before, whereby it kind of just died a death. Mm. It died a death because Glasgow couldn't make shots. Um, I didn't. I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't see Glasgow score, and I didn't see Sheffield make a field goal. 
All yeah, and they had in Glasgow had decent looks, but they had decent threes. Um, Jordan Johnson, I think, eventually got a little bit worn down, um, but he he is um, yeah, he reminds me of his um, guy who played for Sheffield about six years ago called Gerald Brooks. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Brooks was left-handed, but he was like a bowling ball. Yeah, he was. Um, Bounce, you know, bouncing off people. Bouncing off people. Yeah, and um, Johnson, I think, is probably a better, I say, a better version, a more savvy, more savvy version of Brooks. Mm. Not quite as athletic, but knows how to get to his spaces and um, knows how to. I think he's perfect for that team because they got a ton of shooters, and he can get in the lane. He knows when to finish. He knows when to kick. So he's on. Um, he's on early season MVP watch. Very early season, um, but I got a hell of a good impression from him. And um, Glasgow just didn't have enough from everybody else. And and you know the game. As I say, the the difference in the game is the motivation. I think from Sheffield needing to win the game because they lost badly on Friday. And um, Glasgow and their younger Americans feeling good about themselves, having yeah. accomplished what they accomplished on Friday and not quite being um, ready for the challenge at home today. So let's go to the final game of the weekend, the North West Derby. Uh, Cheshire 72, Manchester 78 after overtime. And this is uh, probably the two teams who created the most interest, I think, in the in the preseason and and a first look at Manchester, obviously Cheshire's second game, but their f- first home game. And um, it was low scoring, but, but it was, it was a tight old fight. Yeah, it wasn't there. Um, you know, Manchester's a little bit tough for me to assess because I, I haven't got a figure on them. You haven't got an angle on any of the Americans yet. And I don't know, I'm sure that Lloyd's got much of an angle on them because he didn't start any of them. Um, and um, he didn't really finish. Any didn't finish with yeah, I think, I think um, the, the one of the guys came in. They had one. Out. I forget who it was. Now they had one. Along, they had, the left, they had the four left. Brits on the on the court yeah. at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, and they had, I think they were all on the court at the end. Um, and the lefty, the lefty came on for overtime. I can't remember. His, the, the, um, he's got a strange name. It was an unusual name. Sorry, not strange. It's harsh. Um, Artisan. Yeah. So Lloyd was um, playing the guys he knew. Um, who we, I think thought would run the system the way they did, both at the beginning and at the end. Can't really comment on the Americans as of yet. And there's a couple of times that Dan Clark was getting frustrated with a couple of them that I could see. Um, they have um, a really nice core. You know, in theory, they've got a number of tools. Um, it's all based around Clark. Clark is he's playing as a stretch five, whereas in Spain he's probably plays a little bit as a four. And in, in the BBL, he's, he's a stretch five, and that's spot on. He's probably going to make more three pointers this year than any t- any guy in the league. Mm. You know, the under over is probably a four a game for him. And um, people think they're guarding him when they're not. And if you haven't got a plan to guard the, the pick and pop, then he's going to kill you. Mm. And I don't think Cheshire had much of a plan. At times, they didn't look like they had any plan on the pick and pop. You know, I mean, he has to be the first. You know, he you know you have to make him dribble, and you have to be relentless with him because he's just too good a shooter. And the worry was actually for me for Cheshire was that the first two looks he got were good looks and he missed them. And you know that then he's not going to be missing the rest of the night, you know. Um, in fact, he's probably the greatest big guy shooter we've ever had in the UK. Yeah, um, I would. Yeah. Um, I was ringing, I was thinking about it before, and the only guy I could think about coming close was a guy called Martin Clark who played for Guildford. Yeah, that, that, was, that was where I was just about to go. Yeah, I don't know if they're related. Uh, but, well, but, but, but that's three, before the three-point line. 
well, no, the three-point line was there, but it was still a bit gimmicky at that point because he yeah. played sort of late 80s into the early 90s and the three-point line came in at about 84, but it was yeah. it was still one of those things where... You, yeah, 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 he did. He had a beautiful jump shot. One yeah, of well, the great shooters. Yeah, you knew he was good because Cadel took him everywhere with him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, basically. But yeah, so apart from that, you know, Dan Clubs obviously extended that with three-point line in the way the game's played nowadays. Um, and so that's the first thing you have to respect with him. Um, and um, the rest of the guys, you know, they played off. He didn't play Jordan Wheeler much in the first half, but he played him down, to, down towards the end. Mm. Um, I think their, their ceiling is probably going to be defined by their Americans mm. and how quickly Great. those Americans um, can kind of assimilate to what they have to do because they play in a certain way and, and you know and it's again it's the barking abbey thing you know about the you see the same you see those guys running the same players are barking were running on saturday mm. you know on the week on the friday night you know the, the ucla off the inbounds and all that stuff and you're looking at it and um you know i like i like what they've got and as i say they're americans will be the kind of the the difference and the way Lloyd coached it today he coached it to win the game he coached it to play with the guys he knew mm. quite interesting that both, I think both coaches but certainly Manchester at the beginning of overtime made substitutions which is mm. which isn't always the case um and, and he took Jamel out because uh, and they and put Artisan in and they got um some more offense out of that mm. which was a which was an interesting move and um Cheshire um again well they're coming off a great win you know and they were a little bit I think they were a little bit flat Bradley, as we talked about, mm, you know, as yeah. you knew, I knew, um, really didn't didn't establish himself at all. Right. And then they were reliant on you know right to make some shots at the end, which he did. And um, and Jules made a couple of eight turnovers shots. though. That would be the thing. That was, for for, for uh, name on right, he had eight. Name on right, yeah. yeah. Well, you see, the thing with name on right, he's he, this is it's an interesting thing because you know I, I would be amazed if he had eight turnovers in his whole career at Leicester. Mm. Because in Leicester, he was, he was in a certain position. He was catching and shooting. He was catching one dribble, pull up, attacking the rim, doing what he had to do, making the plays he needed to make. Um, now he's got a far greater role in relation to shot creation. In really, you know, because Teddy's a, um, a table setter primarily, who's going to help, help other people. And Neymar Ray has to attack in the space. He might not, not always be perfect. And so he's going to have those growing pains in relation to, to turning the ball because he's doing things he didn't do at other times. Um, they need him on the court, mm. you know, because it's tough. Because you know, Okrafor and um, and Jules. Dan Cody are basically point guards. Yeah. You know, Josh McSwiggan is a four, you know, and a, a stretch four probably. And you know, and Kyle Carey is an athlete. You know, but they need that. You know, you need somebody who's going to be able to get them a shot on a half court. And you know, having and asking Mike Ocherobi to have two games in a row like that is different. Now they're still waiting for the American big guy to come in, which will give them a little bit more. Depth as well, um, but I really think that you know Bradley is the key for that team. Mm. You know Bradley plays well; they're going to be a tough cover. If he, if I was doing a scout report on them, he would be the first guy. You know we don't let this guy get off because mm. um, he's one of those guys who can go for two or he can go for twenty-five. And um, today was he went for two and he didn't quite have enough scoring to get them home. Incredible shot by Dangakodo to 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 tie, tie the game. Awesome <laughs> defense by Jack Hudson. I yeah. mean Jack. I mean, Jack, I remember Jack Hudson, he must have got in front of him three times. Yeah. Kept his hand straight, made him go up, and, and, and somehow he made the shot. I mean, just, just a crazy shot. Um, and, then, think, and, and then the way he'd shot, he shot. Go on. I was about to say the way Clark had shot, you'd expect him to make that three at the end there as well. 
Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're getting Dan Clark a shot to win the game that you delivered it. Also, it was interesting, um, um, the coach took um, took Jack Hudson out for that play, put Will Saunders in. Mm. So he put another shooter on the court. Um, and um, obviously they were going to run it through Dan. And if um, anybody cheated too far, he's going to throw it across the court to Will. So that was, in, it was an interesting little wrinkle. Um, that those were the guys in fact, Saunders court. ended yeah. up with the ball in his hands on the buzzer and had a, yeah. had a three as well. But that was a bit of a... Um, that was a bit hopeful rather than the previous yeah. one. But it, but in overtime, Manchester scored first eight points. Clark had uh, four of them. Whelan had four of them, and and that was pretty much pretty much the game. And then a big dagger three at the end by Steele. Yeah, I mean that was interesting because he, Josh Steele, he kind of had that in his game at Surrey, um, but he was he, he was far from the finished article. You know, you wouldn't have been you wouldn't have been the guy who'd be getting the ball at that time. He was always probably a little bit more of a slasher than a, than a, than a, than a nail knockdown shooter. Been away to Spain for a couple of years. You know, if he's come back, you know, with the um, intestinal fortitude mm. to, to take that shot off the dribble, yeah. and he managed to work himself a, a mismatch with Max Swiggin, I think, off a screen. And because um, I must that... admit, when he took it, I thought, "Oh, I'm not sure that's what." I'd... And then it goes in. So every shot yeah. that goes in is a great shot. That's right. And if it's first game of the season, then you've you got know. a mismatch, and, and, and you're comfortable in your ability to knock that shot down. That's yeah. a great sign. You know, it's better that it's better that he takes it than he defers. You know, we want British guys to step up and to make plays. Well, yeah. you can't just give the ball. You know, the, the, he's on the court. The coaches put him on the court. Coaches haven't faith in him. He expects him to make the plays, and he did it. Mm. Um, so that was an that was an impressive play. Um, They've got, yeah, they, they, I think they're going to be sneaky good, Manchester. Um, a lot will depend on Clark's health. Um, you know, and again, you know, six foot ten, big body, travelling around the country. Probably, what, I'm guessing 33, maybe 34. Um, yeah, somewhere in that ballpark. So, you know, in BBL, and the BBL really has got a history of kind of spitting up and chewing out big guys once to get to about, big long guys, so he wants to get to about 33, 34, 35, just because of the 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 um the mechanics of being a BBL basketball player, the floors that you play on the warm-up, the, the, all that stuff, the traveling, all that stuff. Um so if he if he can stay healthy, um, then he is just an absolute focal point for that team. He's great, it's great to see him in this country, it's great to see him in the league. And you know, we looked at that game today and we had probably eight guys starting who were who were British, who were out of Lot most of them out of London. Um you know, Ocrafo, um, Carey, a couple out of Manchester, you know, Wheeling Steels out of London, Dan Clark, Dan Accordo, McSwiggin. You know, I mean you know, there's a route there, you know, and it's gonna come and then we talked about Brexit, it's gonna come, you know, whereby you know these guys make themselves you know good enough, make themselves good enough to be part of winning teams. Then they're going to get the rewards. Difficult is that you've got, only got ten teams in the league. That means you've only got five teams who are going to be winning. You know, the five of them are most likely to have a losing record. Yeah. No coach wants, no coach wants to sign um, players who aren't contributing to being winning teams. So there's a real level of competition there. I think not just within the, the teams and the teams, but also between the British guys now. You know, between you know the difference between you know Patrick Whelan and. Um, Josh McSwiggin and Lewis Sayers and, and then the guards and Jordan Spencer and Jules Dangakodo and um, all, all and Connor Washington. And, and I think that can only be good. 
Mm. You know, I think I can only be good. I think I can only can only raise the standards. Cheshire were pretty smart this offseason because they went and got guys early who they thought they could build around. Now, the test will be whether or not they're good enough to take them to where they want to be, mm. you know, because ultimately, you know, last year, Bristol, I don't know if Bristol made the playoffs with, with Teddy running the team. And I don't know if, uh, and Jules only played, you know, 10 or 12 minutes and Josh McSwiggan was in and out for, for Worcester. He played some games, he got injured, he didn't play other games. Um, but they've got the opportunity. Same in Manchester, Josh Steele got the opportunity. Hopefully, Ulf will come back as well, um, as well in due course. So that's going to be really encouraging, and it should be really entertaining to watch those little battles kind of play out over the season. It certainly should, and I think before the internet gremlins get us again, we should probably call yeah, it a, call it an evening. So thank you very much to everybody yeah. who's listening, um, and uh, do make sure you share it and like it and all that stuff that people say at the end of podcasts. Um, and uh, Dave and I will be back next Sunday night to break it all down once again. But for now, goodbye. Goodbye.